We live in a world where it's offensive to preach the gospel of Jesus and to talk about his name. And I'm here to talk about it. Welcome to the Jesus is Offensive podcast. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jesus is Offensive podcast. I am your host, Taylor Werfelman. Thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode. We are on episode number four of season three. That's insane. We are hauling through season three. It feels like just yesterday I was planning it and now we're here and it's insane. Hope you guys are having an amazing day. Uh, it's been raining for me and then it's been sunny and then it's been raining and now the sun's like blasting through my window. So I cannot complain. It's been pretty great. Um, praise God for the rain. I hope you guys enjoyed that last episode um, about dating and relationships and stuff. I'm sure uh, it challenged a lot of you, um, but I hope that you took something away from it and um, can apply that to the next relationship that you're in. Um, not to please me or to make things better for yourself, but to please God in, in all things, right? And keeping kind of with the theme uh, that we were talking about and that we're talking about this whole season, um, but specifically with the relationship one about kind of, you know, what is your purpose for wanting a relationship? Is it for God's glory or for your glory? You really need to ask yourself that. Is it for your glory? Is it what you want or is it what God wants for you? And what is the purpose of having a relationship? Um, in all of that, I think what we're going to talk about today in a way kind of applies. We're talking about um, in Revelation where it talks about you've lost your first love, right? Which is this idea that, yes, it it sounds good on paper, you know, this this person, uh, well, going to the relationships, why I think they kind of go together. It's like, oh, well, this person on paper is perfect and, and, um, and you know, uh, I like them or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. But the idea is, is Jesus your first love or are you using other things to fill him, right? Uh, and we're going to kind of explore that idea. And I think that goes along too with the whole learning to run theme this year of just um, when we read Revelation, this isn't baby Christian stuff. All right. This is, this is the big leagues, right? Revelation is actually my favorite book in the Bible. I love it. I think it's just so incredible that we have a God that knows the beginning from the end and it proves it in this book. And so I absolutely love that. But I think uh, when I was praying and figuring out this season, um, I felt like God saying, go to Revelation and talk about the churches, um, the churches that Jesus wrote to. Remember, there's not many places in the Bible where we can literally hear Jesus speaking. Yes, of course, he's littered throughout the whole um, Bible. I don't know if littered is the right word, but you know, he's throughout the whole Bible. But his actual words, this is a letter from Jesus in Revelation, and uh, that's powerful. So I think it's important to look at. Um, but I think the reason it applies to this season kind of for mature Christians and learning to run with God is that um, this church we're going to be talking about, the church of Ephesus at the beginning of chapter two of Revelation, they were doing a lot of things right, but there were still things that they were missing. And God was like, I'm going to cut you off if you if you don't you know, lock those things down, which is quite insane because I think a lot of us listening today could read all the things of Ephesus, the church, and be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, wow, I don't even know if I'm doing that. And then he, God's saying, no, you need to do more. Um, so I, I like it. Again, Jesus is offensive, right? That's the theme of this whole podcast. So we're not here to to talk about the easy stuff most of the time. We're here to talk about the hard stuff because for me, the hard stuff is what inspires me, it what motivates me, and it what it's what convicts me to keep going back to Jesus. The happy stuff is the stuff that keeps you away from Jesus. When you hear that you're all good and everything you're doing is perfect, then what keeps you from going to Jesus, right? So we're here to challenge each other and it's challenging to me too. So don't get me wrong on that. Um, but before we go anywhere further, let's just pray. Dear Lord God, um, once again, I thank you for this podcast, God. Uh, I sound like a broken record, but I do. You've blessed it beyond belief, God, and you've changed lives through it. And that's all that I would ask for. That is all that I want, Lord. This is your podcast. We dedicate this podcast to you once again. Um, and Lord, I ask that you would just speak through this message. Lord, you would use my tongue to speak truth, Holy Spirit, that you would you would work right now through the airwaves, uh, that you would convict hearts and minds and uh, turn hearts and, and minds to you, Lord God, um, and that this message would really touch people and would inspire them to do more, as well as myself, God, that we would all learn to take the next step, just keep taking steps with God, Lord, um, but 
like the title of this is learning to run. We are running with you, God, that we, we don't have time to look back. We don't have time always to look down and see if we're on solid ground. We just need to trust in you and run with you, God. So help us all to do that, Lord. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen. So, um, to get some context here, right? Um, for one, Jesus writes to seven churches in Revelation, and I'm sure 80% of you don't know that because Revelation is just a book that is not very looked into. Well, in one case, yes, it is. Many people have opinions, but not a lot of your normal Christians have read it, which saddens me completely. Um, this uh, pastor that we love, his name is David Pawson, and I'm actually going to read a little segment out of his book. I've actually played a clip for him on the pod of him on the podcast, so I'm sure you've heard it. But um, he tells tells this great story of this guy asking. Um, Hey man, do you, do you, I see you read the Bible. This guy was like holding the Bible and, and the other guy was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, 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 uh, the guy was like, oh, what's your favorite book? And he's like, revelation. He's like, really? You understand that? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, can you tell me what it means? He's like, yeah, God wins and the devil loses. <laughs> and I love that. And that really just inspired me to start reading revelation more because it's true. I don't need to get every single um, little detail. I just need to know, wow, God wins in the end. And here are the signs that will take place. Um, but the churches are a little bit of a different thing, right? Because after he talks to the churches, if you're familiar with Revelation, then John starts getting visions and goes into the spirit and sees uh, the end times. But in these first three chapters of Revelation, it's just Jesus writing a letter to the churches, warning them against being lukewarm and falling away and all this stuff, right? It's a very, think about it. If Jesus is showing up to write you a letter, then it's very important. Um, and I think we don't read it enough. We read all these other letters to all these other churches by Paul and John, but we don't read the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches. That's insane. Like even saying that's like, wow, what the heck? So yes. Um, and even though, yes, this was written to churches three years ago, or I mean, uh, hundreds of years ago, sorry, not three, um, they still apply to us today right? We have to look at it in context, obviously, but um, we have to look at, in my opinion, when you read all seven churches, and we're not going to have a chance to do that in this podcast, so I really highly recommend, read Jesus's writing. He wrote to these churches. Read that, not for my sake, for your sake, um, but you start to see all the things that God warns us as Christians to not be, and that's what he does to these, these seven churches. He warns them against all totally different things, but it's a picture of where each believer can be um, and uh, where each church can be. But even though he's talking to the church, this is to each of us. We are the church. We make up the church. So it's not the church you go to. You got to look at yourself in the mirror when we read this stuff. Um, but yeah, there is a church that, you know, he doesn't say anything bad about. And I believe there are um, Christians, saints, whatever you want to call them, walking in that way as well, that God is completely pleased with them. And that's where we want to be because remember, we want to get to heaven and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So I think this will challenge you, but um, I'm really stoked. So let's just get into it. Uh, Revelation 2. Um, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. So for one, real quick, Jesus is writing to an angel, right? Who's going to deliver this to Ephesus, correct? Um these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So for one, we got to just say, wow, isn't that insane that it's a few paragraphs, but it says so much, right? Jesus is so precise um, and so exact with how he writes. And I want to give some context real here, quick. Right before this, it says, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So when it says, uh, I walk among the seven golden lampstands, he's saying he walks among the churches. And we'll, we'll break that down in a sec. Um, 
but you have, I, I think personally why he uses a lampstand is to illustrate the idea. And actually Emma has had a vision of this before, something similar about are our lights lit or are they dormant? Have the lampstands fallen over, right? We're supposed to be the light to the world, right? We're, they're supposed to see Christ in us. We're supposed to spread the gospel. So to me, a lampstand reminds me of light, right? Like light being shine. Um, is that the right word? Shined. <laughs> um, and if he takes the lamp away, then he takes the light away. And that means the church is dormant. It has no power. That's just my interpretation. Um, but either way, it says the lampstands represent the church. And that's the most important thing in this part. So let's just get some background because I really want to be contextually accurate since, um, well, obviously I always want to be, but because um, this study is uh, a lot more just one passage instead of bouncing around, uh, we have some time to give some good context. So for one, Ephesus, okay? I thought this was very interesting. Uh, Ephesus was on the coast. It was the main seaport of Asia. Um, There was a big temple called the Temple of Artemis there. Um, they had huge sports, uh, centers and also it was the center of culture, right? And, um, a little tidbit is that there was a goddess that many of them worshiped and it it was kind of the goddess of fertility and sex. And her name was Diana. And if you look her up, she's literally covered in breasts. It's, it's disgusting, but it was kind of a picture of the society there. And I, when I was reading all through this history, I was like, wow, this literally is Los Angeles, at least to me living here. Uh, not, I mean, it, it's everywhere. It's all of America, but just the idea that we're the main seaport, right? Um, we are so into worshiping idols, especially the idol of sex and, and fertility. And, and you, you see it all over the place, right? On billboards and all this stuff and, and provocative, you know, uh, images and all this stuff. We're so in, into sports and LA tends to be kind of the center of culture. Um, so we have a lot of these things in common, which is, is just an interesting tidbit. It's not super important. But another thing to note is that Paul, prior to this letter, stayed in Ephesus longer than he had stayed anywhere else. He actually stayed there for two and a half years. And if you remember in Acts, I believe it was, you know, they were crying because he was leaving. They formed a very tight bond there. So these people already had some really good teaching um, from Paul and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and one other thing I want to say, uh, is that just looking at like the words behind these things, when it says here, uh, these are the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand and walk among the seven gold lampstands, right? Um, hold, if you look at the Greek, um, some translations, uh, show that it's like to completely surround. So just like how in John 10, 28, where it talks about that, um, no one can snatch the sheep from, from, from God's hand. That's how he holds us. Right. And, and the angels as well. Cause it's talking about the seven stars here. Um, and the, the important thing is here is he says he walks among the seven golden lampstands. So he is with us. And I know we know this, but when we, you really hear it in this way, it's like, wow, he walks among all these churches. The churches are his. And he walks among us as well, being the church as well. He is watching us and he is walking with us. Imagine if you always had Jesus by your side, would you do a lot of the things that you do now? Probably not. But that's where he is. You just don't see him all the time. So that's like, wow, that's really crazy. So that's a little, um, just, I guess, intro context, some good information. Also, just something to note, if you look at the writing style of how Jesus is speaking, he always commends before he condemns, right? He says, these are all the great things you're doing. And I think just as a tidbit side note, this is what we need to practice as well in the church. Um, You know, we're so scared to help a brother out and to point out sin um, because we're scared they're going to get hurt. Um, But Jesus always pointed out sin, but he always started it with encouragement, right? Even the woman at the well, he loved her first and then He said, this is your sin, go and sin no more, right? But he comforted her first. So in the same way, Jesus here, he has something big against the church of Ephesus. But first he's saying, look, you're doing so good on all these things. He, When I think of God now, I used to think of him as this like mean, just judge or whatever, which is totally incorrect. Unless obviously, you know, on judgment day, it is going to feel mean if if he casts you into the lake of fire. But my point is um, that I didn't always see him as that loving father. And now I see him as like the cheerleader. Like you're doing so good. You can do it now. Just keep doing it. Right. We can't use that as an excuse to be like, well, God says I'm doing great. Um, but I love that God is 
a cheerleader. And then he also is there to correct us and help us uh, when we fall. Right. So these are just some important things to look at, to see God's character and to kind of see where Jesus is coming from as he writes this. Right. So what does he say? I know your deeds. That's scary. All right. He knows what we do in the darkness. He knows everything about us. He knows what we're doing. And especially those who feel like, wow, no, I'm not appreciated. I am not, you know, no one sees what I do, but I feel like I'm serving God. He sees that. So just a word of encouragement for you too. Like he sees what you're doing for him. Right. So don't, don't let the world's perception of you or anything else make you falter. He sees what you're doing for him and, and that makes him proud. But just going on, he sees your deeds. And he says, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So those are some really big compliments there, right? I mean, first he's saying that, you know, you didn't grow tired. And he, then he's saying you persevered and that you're an enlightened church. You hate sin. You hate evil, right? Something that I think we've got really wrong in the church is, or even as just Christians, we don't hate evil. We don't hate sin, you know? Um, and that's a, that's a fundamental problem. And I'm not saying you have to hate a person, but if you're around people who are sinning, and you're just sitting there standing by if you're not feeling how that hurts god then do you really know god's heart because true christian a true person who knows god should hate the sign of evil because if you love good then you absolutely hate evil right again that doesn't mean you have to hate a person Many of us tolerate these friendships and and these relationships that are just rooted in evil and, and have nothing to do with God, yet you're sticking in them and saying, well, you know, they're my friends, so I can't. But they're not open to God and, and they're openly going against Christ. To me, that, that hurts my spirit. That really hurts my spirit because you're going against my father in heaven, right? So they were a healthy church. They hated evil. And they hated false doctrine. I'm sorry, you have to hate false doctrine. You can't just say, well, it's okay. We'll just, we'll get over our doctrinal issues. We all just need unity, okay? This is an argument that I've heard throughout the church. We just need unity. We just need unity. Yes, I agree, but we can't unify if we both believe, if one person believes a completely false doctrine and one person believes completely true doctrine, okay? There's no point to unify there because unity is a false sense of security just because you're unified doesn't mean you're going to save the other people because your doctrine was right and theirs was wrong no we need to get doctrine right whether that divides i don't care god even jesus even said i came to divide i came to divide right so i'm not saying we have to divide on purpose but we have to hate false doctrine we can't just let little things slide of course do you want to believe the seven day creation theory or the seven year creation theory, or whatever? That's not a huge issue. Although I do believe that you are taking something that the Bible states very clearly and trying to make it fit your logic. Still, it's not a salvation issue, but we can't have unity if we have salvation issues. I'm sorry. So we have to learn and you guys listening have to learn to hate false doctrine. If you're this far on the podcast, you know the correct doctrine. You have to hate false doctrine and you have to be careful of who you're listening to. Do not put up with false doctrine. Even if this pastor has a lot of good things to say, it doesn't matter. They they do not believe the truth, so I'm not going to stick with them. I'm going to hate false doctrine, right? God doesn't say, oh, well, you know, you have 50% of it, right? So you're good. No, that's called being lukewarm. <laughs> so we have to hate false doctrine. Um, and I want to just read this little uh, part out of, like I was talking about David Pawson, he writes some really great commentaries um, and he has one in Revelation. I really enjoy it just for the historical context, kind of where I got that stuff about the city. Um, but yeah, I just want to read what he says because I really like this. If you really are a healthy church, you hate sin in members. You hate false doctrine in preachers and you hate movements that sweep young people away into perverted behavior, into thinking that it does not matter how you behave as long as you believe in Jesus. That is what a lot of false doctrines do. They take 
radical Christianity. And they say, nah, it's not a big deal. You can go on doing this. You can go on do this just as long as you believe. And they take this young generation. And now we see this young generation totally messed up, even in our day and age now, because they're believing the lie that all they have to do is believe and they can be just a gum bear lollipop Christian and, and not do anything, right? Jesus is saying, I'm commending you for hating false doctrine, for hating evil. You hate wickedness. You hate it. And you see that you cannot... You cannot separate the two. I'm sorry. So I think that's it's really hard to do, but that's something that we have to do. And that's what he's talking about uh, at the end there. He says, uh, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Those were a group of people that were trying to combine Christianity with a another uh, thing, um, basically. Sorry, I'm giving you the very abridged version. Um, but it was false doctrine at the end of the day. And he's saying, good, you, you hate but the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, right? So a good church hates as much as much as that sounds weird. We have to hate evil or our pursuit of love and righteousness will not be as strong. We cannot love one unless we hate the other, right? That sounds like a Bible verse. I, I forget what that is, but it probably is not talk, pertaining to this, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like you can't love both because then you're cheating on one of them. You either have to hate evil and love good and and God, or you have to love evil and, and hate God. There's no in-between. Cannot put up with it, right? And, and we're going to go on in a few weeks, but in one of the churches, you know, Jesus says, um, you put up with that Jezebel, right? You've put up with it. Where are we in our church, in our friendships? Are we putting up with evil and just saying, ah, well, it's, you know, it's okay. No, we cannot put up with that, especially if you are a leader of a group or you're discipling people, we cannot put up with evil. It has to be met head first, head on. We cannot put up with it. It doesn't mean we kick them out, but we bring it up. We talk through it. We figure it out. We cannot um, put up with that evil. And we'll talk more when we get there. But I think that's very important, guys. We think we just have to be this lovey-dovey whatever, uh, and we hate even the word hate, <laughs> but we have to hate evil. There, is, there are things we have to hate as Christians. Okay. I think I, I think I hammered that one as, as much as I could. <laughs> um, so yeah. So what is Jesus saying here? Right. He's saying, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Now, what is the first love? To me, some people could say, well, you know, they're maybe they're not loving their neighbor anymore. Maybe they're not loving one another. Maybe they're not. But I believe that Jesus is talking about their love for him because that was their first love. And why the word first really shows that it's God because that he's talking about God here or himself, I guess. Um, because when you think about it, remember what Jesus said, the law is summed up in this, you know, love God and love your neighbor. But it really is summed up into love God because if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? You will love your neighbor because God commands that of you. And because you will be filled with his love and you will love your brother and you will love your sister. So to me, the first love is Jesus and every love from that stems from him, right? So I totally believe that he's saying you've forsaken your first love, which is me, right? You're doing these things right. You're, you have an amazing ministry. He even says, you guys are, you guys are holy, right? You've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And you found them false, right? You, you are working hard. You're persevered, even though you've been bashed and, and, physically, mentally, emotionally abused for following me, you have, you have continued to persevere, but you've lost the first love. And this is something that I was just talking about with my buddy, shout out, um, if he hears this. Um, but just the idea that if God is not at the center, um, then everything else falls apart, right? You can have this amazing ministry. You can be saying, okay, Taylor, I'm really living holy. I'm, I'm really, I'm living really holy. I haven't sinned. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making disciples here and there, but the problem is, is there's now this beginning of, well, there's basically what's starting to creep in is you're starting to idolize ministry and idolizing, uh, or even a self-righteousness to say like, well, I, I'm, I'm not sinning. I've, I've persevered all these things. So, you know, I'm doing good, but it's not backed by by God. And I think that's why Jesus is warning them because he knows that for a while you can do it on your flesh. You can persevere on your flesh. You can, um, you can, you know, run a good church on your flesh, but eventually it will fizzle out because why you've lost your first love. 
you're not doing it by the spirit anymore. And this is very important. So if we don't have love, then everything else will fizzle out, right? If we do not love God, then eventually we're going to come to the place where it's like, why are we sharing the gospel? Like, I mean, what's the big deal? But because I love God so much, I go and I go and share the gospel with people. Not because, oh, well, God said I have to go share it. So I'm going to go share it. And what is he saying? Remember the height from which you have fallen. I think this is important, you guys. I think at all time, at not at all times, I'm sorry. All of us at a time have lost our first love. And maybe we've come back. Maybe you're there right now. Um, where all of a sudden, you know, we're in the habit of not sinning. We're in the habit of making disciples. It's all kind of just becoming life. But now you have, you're not in love with Jesus anymore. You're in love with the idea and you're doing the right things, but you're not clothing yourself in love. You're not loving Jesus first and going, God, I want all of you. I, I just want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. And guys, I'm preaching to myself here too. I feel like I was in a spot um, a few weeks ago that I was like feeling that way a little bit like, man, I need to get back to my first love, you know? Um, yeah, I'm doing all the right things, I guess you can say, but um, you know, I'm not desiring to be with Christ. I'm not in love with him. I need to get back to that love. I need to rekindle that flame, that fire. And that's why he's saying, remember the height from which you have fallen. I think this is the problem. And probably a lot of you who are listening have the same experience. For those of you who have grown up in the church, it's very easy to, and I've had this problem too, connect your emotions to where God has saved you because it's always just been second nature. We go to church, we live holy, we don't do this, we do this. So in all logic, you're living pretty holy and pretty righteous before God, but you don't love God. So everything else is in vain um, because you, and that's why Jesus is saying, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember what you were saved from. Like for me, I have to say constantly, well, God, thank you for setting me free from lust and, and pornography and, and all of that horrible stuff. Um, excuse me. Um, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember where God picked you up. Remember where you were in the beginning. And that's how you rekindle that love. Cause you say, wow, God, you've done this for me. You died for me. Right. When we grow up in the church, it's so normal. Okay. Easter. Yeah, we get it. Jesus died on the cross. Woohoo. Um, to be honest till like two years ago, I didn't really even understand how does that all work? What's the blood about? Okay, now it all makes sense, right? It's that um, realizing that, wow, I need a savior and I am in love with Jesus. Not that yeah, Jesus is a good idea and obviously he's God and I believe there's a God and you know I want to go to heaven and yeah, I'll believe in this Jesus guy. But are you in love? Because being in love is what will make you go do crazy things. You know, if you've been in love with a person, um, you will do anything for them. You go crazy for them. So when you're in love for it with God, you will go to the rooftops and scream his name. You will tell him to everyone. Um, when you just like God and when you believe in God, you're like, yeah, okay, I'll live this way. I'll make sure I do this and that. Um, it's habit. It's flesh. But when you love God, it comes from a place of spirit of, I'm in so in love with you. I will do anything for you. I just love you so much. So that's the difference. So what's the first step of, of getting back to our first love? It's to remember and if that's you right now, think back all of where God has been. We so quickly forget those moments that God has shown up in our life. And we were like, that was totally God. Go back to those moments in your mind or whatever and be like, God, you saved me from this. Oh my gosh, God, you were here. I love you so much. I want to be with you, right? We have to rekindle that flame. It's not always, I always tell people, you can't go off emotions. It's not always going to be like this honeymoon with Jesus, right? There are tough seasons, but that's why we have to go back and remember where we were so that we can, reki we can rekindle. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that's how you get back to love. And if you're not willing to put in the hard work, then you really don't love God. What's the second step? He says, repent and do the things you did at first, right? And that's actually the second and third step because repent is turn away. You know, if, if you've lost your first love with God, it's normally due to idols, at least in my opinion. And in my experience, I've struggled with this. And it's a constant putting myself in check that how do we lose our first love? If you're so, in, let's say, let's take something a little bit more tangible as an example. Let's take a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You're so in love. You're hanging out with them every moment. And then all of a sudden you meet this new friend and he's super cool and, you know, 
um, he wants to do this and he's going to get you this job and this and that and, you know, whatever. And now all of a sudden the girl's like, what's going on? Like, I thought we were hanging out every day. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah, of course, you know, but you know, I want to do this thing. Uh, and then, you know, he, he needs a new car and now he's out using his car all the time and he's with the boys. And now the girl's like, what happened? You, we were in love. Now it comes to his place. Is he either going to forsake his first love and, and leave? Or is he going to say, no, I still love her. And I'm going to rekindle that. Even if it might be awkward, it might be tough and bumpy to get back to that love. I want that love. That's the same thing with Jesus. And that's why he's saying repent because you've probably put idols in front, whatever it may be. Maybe it's friendships. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's material things. Maybe it's yourself. You can make yourself your own God. I think a lot of us have. Um, repent. Turn from that. Because the, the important thing is repent obviously is a command, but it's more so for our benefit because Jesus is saying, listen, if you just say I'm sorry and you just come to me and you don't do the repenting, right? If you skip repent and you just go to where it says and do the things you did at first, you're going to go, you're going to do those things for a little bit. And then the idols are going to start coming back. And then you're going to go whoop, sucked right back into the idols. Mm -hmm. Repent is implying I'm going to turn around and turn away from that. So you take care of that. You shut the door to those idols. Now you can do the things you did at first. And those idols are out. Those idols are out the door, shut the door, close, boom. That's the difference. So repentance, yes, of course we have to repent to God, but you can't, don't always look at it as like, oh, I just have to repent. This is to benefit your relationship with God. If you don't turn, if you try to add God to the mix or add your girlfriend to the mix, it you're gonna always mess up. You're always gonna overbook yourself. You're always gonna not have time or, or not enough time unless you turn away and you say, hey boys, you know what? I loved hanging out with you. Hey car, I, I, love, I love the times we had, but I got a wife, I got a girlfriend, whatever it is, and she's the one I love. That's the hard thing to do, but that's the thing that we need to do to get back to our first love. Repent, which is turn away, turn away. And what does it say? Do the things you did at first. So I want you guys to think back. If this is where you feel like you are, and even if you're not, it's still important. What was that time where you were so in love with Jesus? You wanted to tell the whole world, right? You wouldn't miss a fellowship. You would pray unceasingly. Um, if someone called and needed advice for, from God or prayer, you were on it. You wanted to have fellowship. You wanted to meet with people. You wanted to have communion with God. When was that? That's the part of remembering. Now do those things you did at first. Yes, again, it will feel awkward pushing yourself and forcing yourself to, to go to your room alone and pray and just read your Bible. I've been doing that lately, been trying to go and pursue the, the quiet place, right? The, the secret place that is talked about in the Bible and to just seek God's presence there. It's the easy thing to come down to my couch. Everyone's around and, and just kind of get, you know, I read my Bible and I pray, but I'm not a hundred percent there. I'm kind of talking to other people and, it's like having a date, but you brought your friend along. You can't do that. You know what? I'm realizing that. I was like, wow, how dare I do that? I'm sorry, God. So we have to go do the things we did at first. Get alone with God. Get uncomfortable with God. Get in your word. Push, shut the doors to the distractions. Shut the doors to your phone, for goodness sake. We have to get back to our first love. And here's the scary thing, you guys. What does he say? If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Right? This is crazy. And this is why I love Jesus's message here for myself included, because it's inspiring. It's convicting. It's, uh, it pushes me to want to be better because he's saying, look at, you're doing great. You're holy. You're, you're preaching the gospel. You've persevered. Everyone will be like, wow, you are a grade A Christian. I bet if the church today saw the church in Ephesus, oh my gosh, they would probably bow down thinking that they were, you know, angels or something because they were so perfect and so good. But Jesus is saying, it's not good enough. You've forsaken me. You've forsaken your first love. Wow. Jesus ain't messing around. This is three paragraphs. Three. He's saying, you're doing great, but you have to love, you have to do more. You have to fall in love with me again. You can't, like I said before, you cannot sustain a Christian life on the flesh. And that's been one of my prayers lately. God, show me what's in my flesh and what's in my spirit because you cannot do this on your flesh. For a while, you can have a church on your flesh. For a while, you can have a relationship with or at least perceive that you have a relationship in your flesh. But if you want a long-term relationship with the God that created the universe, 
It has to be from your spirit. And if you do not repent, if you do not shut those doors to those idols, if you do not go back to the secret place and pursue God, pursue love, he will remove the lampstand. Think about it. Jesus is the only one that can start and destroy a church, right? He says that not even the devil can come against my church. So only Jesus can allow a church to shut down. And what happened to this church in in, in Ephesus, right? They, um, just what we kind of know from history, in the second century, they did find their, their first love because they became a uh, on-fire church again. Incredible church. But in the third century, no one even knew um, who they were. They didn't even know that there was a church there or Christians there at one point. What happened? I'm guessing their lampstand got removed eventually because God keeps promises. And I guarantee you that third generation did not repent. And again, that's what I was saying about the whole, when you're born into a Christian home, you forget the height which you have fallen. You start falling out of love with Jesus. And you're like, oh, it's okay. Well, like I'm still doing the right things. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're not doing the things for God. You're definitely not in love for, with God. And let's be honest, you don't even know God. You don't even have a relationship with him. You know, I'm just getting prompted right here where it says, you know, uh, they they say, I think this is in Matthew or one of the gospels. Look it up for yourself. But they said, you know, Lord, Lord, we, we uh, prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he says, depart because I never knew you. Now, this is important because for one, um, I look at that and I'm like, wow, if you're not casting out demons and if you're not, basically, if you're not walking in the spirit and doing the basic things that God told you to do, then you for sure ain't making it because even these guys were doing that and still God said, I don't, I didn't know you. But the second thing is, is you have to look at, he's saying, I never knew you, right? They did all the outward things. They they had a ministry. They, they prayed for people, whatever, but they never made a connection with God. And that's what scares me. It's like the relationship. Remember what Jesus was saying. Good, you're doing all these things. Good, you're making disciples. Good, you're, you're persevering. That's great. Don't stop doing those things. Those are 100% necessary as well. If you turn those around and you fall in love with me, but you don't do those things, I'm gonna say, okay, why aren't you doing those things? The point is we have to have love at the center of it for God. Everything needs a motivating factor. So if I don't have true love in my heart for God, eventually, like I said, I said this before already in the podcast, it'll fizzle out. So same thing, God says in that passage that you should look up because I'm forgetting where it is. You know, depart from me, I never knew you, right? You never allowed, God's like, you never allowed me to know you. You never came to me. We never had a relationship, right? You did the things that I commanded you to do. That's good, but you didn't have your first love. You didn't know me. God wants us to know him and for him to know us. And when we truly know him, everything will flow from there. We will cast out demons. We will we will heal the sick. We will preach the gospel. We will baptize people. Um, we will help fill people with the Holy Spirit, all obviously by the glory of God, by his power. But the point is, is I will not do any of those things if I'm not in love with Jesus first. Because those things are all hard and those aren't fun at all times. They are awesome, but... They're not always fun. They're not always easy. But if I love Jesus and my love is so strong for Jesus, it'll always keep me coming back. Always keep me obeying. So I'm like, Jesus, I love you so much. Yeah, this is hard, but I love you. So I'm going to do it. You don't really love him. You're like, mm, I'm not going to do it this time. Mm, no, nah, I'm not really down this time. But if I love him, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Lord, you asked me to do it. I'm doing it. That's the difference. We have to rekindle the love. And if that's you right now, rekindle the love. Go on a honeymoon with God. Get alone in your room. I'm telling you guys, I've been doing this and it's been really helping. Get alone in your room. You know, it says that God is in the quiet place. That he is there. So trust that he is there. Go there. Doesn't matter if you didn't feel him the first day. Don't give up. We don't live off feelings. We live off truth. And the truth is he's there in that room with you. So go be with him. So to wrap up here, the last, what is the last thing he's talking about? He who has an ear to let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, right? He's saying, listen, listen up. Basically, if you have an ear, you better tune in. You better hear, right? Because remember, in, even in the gospels, Jesus used used to use these kind of words a lot. The whole idea of um, uh, they hear, but they do not understand. You know, they have ears, but they do not hear. This, this kind of idea that, 
um, which sounds weird, like, but it was the idea that like, yes, we all have ears, right? But some people like, they just don't hear it. Like I can show anyone that Jesus is real. I mean, imagine I've seen so many people uh, see a miracle and then they still doubt Jesus being real, right? They, they, they have eyes, but they do not see. And that's the crazy thing. God, the, the devil has us veiled. That's what he's saying. He who has an ear, let him hear, let him hear. If you have an ear, let yourself hear what the Lord has to say. The spirit has to say to the churches. This is Jesus talking. Hello. Can you hear me? It's Jesus. <laughs> And what's the last thing he says? To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that's great. You've repented. That's great. You've got baptized. That's great. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's great. God said you must do those to enter the kingdom. You must. Let's not even get started on that. You must. You have to. They're complete requirements. But the main thing is we have to find our first love and we have to overcome now, it's funny because Jesus was just saying, you've persevered, you've endured. But I think what he knew, and as I was explaining in the third century, how the church of Ephesus basically just fizzled out, he knew that because he's saying to him who overcomes, well, they could have read this and be like, well, we'll just overcome and we don't need to find our first love again. But he knew that if you didn't rekindle the love for me, it's going to get too hard. It's going to get too gruesome and you are not going to overcome in the end. You're going to give up. And I believe Many hundreds of millions of Christians, when the end of the world comes, they will not overcome because they did not have their first love. They were living for Christ on their flesh. But when it came down to the very hard things, they didn't know God enough to say, I trust you. They didn't have his spirit to say, I hear you. They didn't know his words to say, I believe you. So they didn't overcome. That's why Jesus is saying, listen, yeah, find your first love and then overcome. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The paradise of God, that's heaven. The tree of life, remember he said that is in heaven. The tree of life is when we eat that, we stay in our eternal state forever. So we will eternally be holy and good and, and be with God forever. Never to have sin come against us again. We must overcome. So it's important, you know, you can't sell Christianity. Obviously, if someone comes to me, what do I need to do? Repent, be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. No questions. Um, but you have to overcome. You have to continue on. And that's what Jesus is saying. Fall in love with me. Because just like Stephen, when he was stoned to death, he was so in love with Jesus that he was praising God when he was getting stoned. Jesus was so in love with his father that when he was dying, he said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. God, let your will be done. We have to have so much love for God that when the perse persecution comes, this is why I believe this is a part of the book of Revelation. When the end comes, which I believe is very near, we will be ready. We will be ready when they persecute us and they kill us. And I'm sorry for those of you who are saying there's a rapture. Look at the people who are in China right now. They're already being persecuted for their faith. So how unfair of it for us to say, well, we're not going to be here but they're putting up with persecution every single day. We got to check ourselves. We got to put our look in the mirror because we need to overcome. But the only way we can overcome you guys is to fall in love with Jesus. Because I don't care how much you love him in flesh. When the going gets tough, many of you will say, I can't do it. Look at Peter. He walked to Jesus for three years and he denied him three times. We have to overcome and he will give the right to eat from the tree of life. You imagine how good that tree tastes? I, I don't know if that's a figurative or a metaphorical tree, but I hope that's a real tree because, man, that's when you know, like, yes, give God a big hug, eat eat the eat from the tree of life. You're like, I made it. I'm in. That's like, that's like, uh, what's the word? Um, that's like when you get uh, put into a club or whatever it's called. Oh, initiation. Like, okay, you eat the, you eat the fruit. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, wow, that, that is an epic moment. Also to just think about where, how do we get in all this mess from eating from the fruit? Right. And then we eating, eating from God's fruit, the, the tree of life. We've had eternal death. God saved us from eternal death, but that doesn't mean we're still from birth. We are all destined to die and if we do not come to God, eternally die, meaning like spiritually. 
but God gave us a way to spirit, our spirit to live on forever in, in paradise as it calls. So it's cool to see it come full circle with eating that fruit from the tree of life. We now have life. So guys, I encourage you, rekindle that love with Jesus. Remember where you were. Remember the steps. Remember and repent and and do the things you did at first, right? Rekindle it. If you haven't spent time with Jesus alone in your life or, or it's been two days, I don't care if it's been one day, go in your room right now as soon as you get off this podcast and just pray and listen for God. I'm not asking you to read your Bible, although you need to do that as well, but just listen for God and talk to him. Talk to him like he's your father. Guarantee you he will show up. We have to find our first love, you guys. Just think about how God feels, you know? We claim that we love him, but I'm sure these the Ephesians were like, yeah, we love Jesus. And then Jesus is like, you don't though. You're, you've forsaken me. You've lost your first love. And they're like, oh no. Right. So we got to put ourselves in check, especially even when we're singing a worship song. It's like, I love you, Jesus. And then we're like, wait, am I loving him? Am I, are my actions showing that I love him? So yeah, I hope I've beat that on the head enough, but we need to rekindle the love and we need to overcome. I believe that is the key verse. I believe the key verse to Revelation is to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I don't care if you've done all the right things your whole life. If you renounce God, if you, um, you know, reject God on your deathbed, then all of it was in vain. So you have to overcome and overcoming means fighting and following Christ to the death. The moment you die, we can do this together. You guys, that's why we have each other. Right. And I'm being totally open. You know, I've still, I struggle as well. I have to regain my first love. And I, I feel like I'm in the process of doing that right now. So this is to all of us. Um, but I'm just here to pump you guys up and say, there's no excuse. Like I'm doing it. Like it's hard. Yes, it's awkward, but I'm doing it. And there's fruit. It's amazing. And I, I feel way closer to God this week and it's been incredible. So do the same. I really encourage you guys. We're going to be going over more of revelation, but I really encourage you guys just check out chapter one through three. Don't be scared. Don't let the devil make you afraid of that book. This is the only book in the whole world that tells the future perfectly. Of course, the devil doesn't want you to read it. Are you, are you kidding me? Don't let the devil hold you back and don't let thinking, well, I'm not going to understand it. Hold you back. We have the Holy spirit. You can understand it just fine. You don't need a, a guy who's went to cemetery to tell you how to, you know, read it. And yes, I said cemetery. Um, Sorry, that was sassy, but just being honest, you know, um, I don't need a teacher to tell me how to read the Bible. I have the greatest teacher of all time. His name is Jesus and I have his spirit living inside of me. So I think I'm, I'm, we're, we're all very pretty well off and we can praise God for that. So get in, get in revelation, uh, chapter one through three. I really encourage you guys to read that and put yourself in the shoes of all these churches on what can I improve on? What church am I? If God wrote me a letter, would he have something, would he have good things to say? Would he have bad things to say? It's a really good way to look at things. Anyways, you guys, I love you guys. Um, I know I'm sometimes sassy and hard, but it's just to get you guys inspired and, and get you guys lit up for, for Christ. Because at the end of the day, I can't wait to be all sitting at that tree of life, just eating and just being like, we made it. Uh, but we have to do it together and we have to rekindle our love with God. We have to love God, number one. A lot of us have fake love for God and we don't even know it. I'm not calling anyone out. I'm just like, we don't realize that our love isn't substantial love. Well, that's why I always like to put in like a girlfriend or a parent in the place of God to think, do I love him? Because man, if I love my girlfriend, I'm not going to hang out with her 15 minutes a day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll at least spend at least an hour or two hours talking with her. Uh, and if you're married, you know, you're probably the whole day other than being at work. Um, so just think about that. But again, rekindle the love because it shouldn't be, okay, well, I need to do an hour here. Okay, I need to do more. Taylor's telling me I need to do more than an hour. No, I'm saying rekindle your love and you won't want to leave his presence. You won't have to think about, okay, have I spent enough time? It's not about the time. So yeah, I love you guys. Let me just pray for you guys. Um, and uh, just put your hands out to receive this prayer because I'm going to pray over you guys. Lord God, I thank you just again for speaking through this podcast. And God, I pray that we, this is, I'm praying to the same Jesus who wrote this. Thank you, Lord. That's incredible. And God, I pray that you would help me and all of us 
to rekindle our love with you, that we would always go deeper with you, that we would fall more and more in love with you, that we would cut out the idols and all the crap and we would cut um, ties with everything in our life that doesn't have to do with you and we would just run towards you as fast as possible. God, help us to rekindle that love, God. We just want to go on dates with you, Lord, and, and just love on you, Lord, and follow you. God, um, I pray right now just over every single person listening, God, um, just put a new breath of passion into them, Lord, to rekindle their love, um, power and strength to just go and be in the quiet place with you, Lord, to experience your presence. I pray, God, for an overwhelming sense of your presence over every single person listening right now, God, that they would just feel your your light yet so rich and heavy presence over them right now, God, right now. Just fill them up with your presence, Lord, and 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 help them to just want to go to you and be with you, God, and spend time with you. And I ask that for myself as well, Lord God, that you would give me an unquenchable thirst to be in your presence, that you would give all of us an unquenchable thirst to be in your presence, to spend time with you, Lord God. You are a good God. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let us remember, God, bring to mind in each one of our lives, bring to mind when we were in love with you. If if we have fallen out of love with you, God, bring to mind those area, those times when we were in love with you, God, so that we can go back to that and say, I need to recreate that. I need to rekindle that. Or that we would fall back in love with you, your presence, and just who you are. Just remind us of those times, God, remind us. Remind us of the things we need to repent for. Thank you, Lord. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Well, guys, I've really enjoyed this. I love Revelations. I'd challenge you guys, check Revelations out. It's amazing. You don't have to understand everything. Just check it out. Um, it's great. Uh, it's beautiful. And it was written by God, so it doesn't get better than that. New York Times bestseller, author, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Honestly, so cool. Um, we take that for granted, uh, granted so much. Um, yes, guys, I, I just um, uh, loose blessing onto you in the name of Jesus. I loose healing onto you in the name of Jesus, and a healing onto your heart and into your soul. And um, I just uh, pray that you guys have an amazing day today and that you would seek God today. Please, right after this podcast, go into the quiet place, even if it's for 10 minutes and seek God. Put some instrumental music on and just listen for God. Go to him and pray to him. Worship him. Um, love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. As always, reach out for prayer on the Instagram, on our email, hello at jesusisoffensive.com. Um, yeah, that's about it, you guys. Love you guys and have an amazing day.